In our social media-driven world, we are now all content producers, and every one of us has the ability to publish. This phenomenon has changed the way we think about brands. Brands used to be companies, then they became products, and now people are brands. So what are you doing to increase the reach and influence of your personal brand, and how can content help with that? My name's Jared Doyle, and this is The Fractal Podcast where I interview marketing experts from around the world to help startup founders like you drive their business forward. Hi, and welcome to this episode. This week, I am joined by Rosie Odsey. Rosie is a full-time side hustler, as she describes herself, an accidental storyteller, a growth nerd, a pretend writer, and I think she's selling herself short there, a real human, but importantly to us, Rosie is a content marketing gun with a really clear vision of what it takes to stand out online and how to actually force yourself to get that content written. So Rosie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So we've known each other for a little bit and we recently presented together at an event and I was really keen to get you on to the podcast to talk about one particular thing that I found particularly inspiring as you were talking about content marketing to a room full of people. And that was around this idea that the biggest barrier to producing content is probably yourself. You know, we, we know that we want to do it. We've read all the articles that content is king and it's a key marketing, you know, part of our arsenal, especially when you're talking to startup founders, you know, these are people who are doing it for themselves. So they know it's important, but we always sort of either put it off or we're scared to do it. So I wanted to talk to you and, and revisit these ideas you have around how you actually get yourself to start producing content for your business. Yeah, I love it. No, honestly, it's one of those things where, especially for startups, when you're bootstrapping, in theory, it's the easiest thing you could do on your own. But in practice, sitting down and actually talking about yourself and your business and why you did it and all of that, those sorts of things, you'll have a million ideas in a conversation. But when you sit down to actually write it, you know, a lot of people will just stare at the blank page for long enough to realize that there's probably other priorities in the business, which may or may not be true, but oftentimes, it's a really big missed opportunity, especially in early stage businesses. Right. And so I've experienced that, right? I've gone, oh, I need to do some more content. So I kind of open up, you know, Grammarly or a Word doc or a notepad or anything. And I try to get started. And that seems to me to be the worst way to actually start because you're going to sit looking at the screen going, come on, inspiration, hit me now. So <laughs> how do I get around that? Where do, I, where do I find my inspiration? Not when I'm trying to. Yeah. So I think it's really important that we all realize that writing and ideas are kind of a skill. They're not just, they're not a gift from above. They're not bequeathed upon some people and not others. So, you know, first of all, just because you're staring at a blank screen and nothing's coming doesn't mean you're not creative, you're not interesting. It's really just like you haven't built up the practice yet. So the way I started and the way I recommend most people start is start writing in a low stakes environment. Just write for yourself right? So for maybe a year, I did daily journal entries with myself. Of course, I wasn't growing a business at this time. So it wasn't, wasn't that urgent. It was, it was just for me. I wanted to get back into writing and I would just write. And every morning I would do that. And then the tap was on. So if I wanted to point that hose, I'm going with this metaphor, man. If I wanted <laughs> to point that hose at something else, then I could. And so when I actually started out, doing this for other people, it wasn't so hard because I'd been pulling ideas out of my head for so long. Now in your business, that may not be an option to, you know, just take a year to find your ability to do this. But what I would say is 
could you at the end of every day come up with three things you learned that day, right? Just three things you learned, yeah? And it doesn't have to go anywhere except a notebook. If you can do this for a couple weeks, that's a good starting point. And that's still a lot further along than most people will get with their content. Then you can convert that up to, could you do an Instagram story or a Facebook live or a Facebook story? There are so many different platforms you could do this on, or you could write, or you could record a podcast. So there are are so many options for us to get into the habit before we get out into public with what it is we're creating. I like that idea of having a notebook and and pulling the thoughts out of the day. I know for myself, and and I'm not going to pretend that I've got the answer, but the answer that works for me is that I've just got, you know, I've got an iPhone, there's a notepad on there, you know, and I'm trying to train myself when I have those thoughts and I, I meet that thing in my normal working day and I go, that's an interesting thought or that's an idea or that's a question. If I jot that down, then and what might take me five or 10 seconds to do, then later on when I'm staring at the blank page, I can actually go back to this scrapbook or notebook or iPad or iPhone of ideas. And that becomes the catalyst. And I start answering the questions that I already posed for myself. Is that the kind of thing that you're sort of suggesting there? Yeah, definitely. So for myself, if I look at my little repository of notes, I've got 253 in there that I haven't looked at yet. And like some of it will be absolute garbage. Like some of it will will be, you know, incomprehensible. <laughs> but every now and then, even if it's one in 10, that that's a gem that could be turned into an article. That's so good. And, you know, we all want to avoid, what we want to avoid is this trap of, I'll remember it. When it comes time, this will come back to me because it doesn't. It really doesn't. We are, our brains are more like RAM than they are like hard drives. They have ideas. They don't collect them for us and bring them back out when we need them. So we really need to use like the technology around us to just, you know, when we have that amazing insight or even that mild insight or even that passing thought that might be something to just get it down because, uh, yeah, way easier than just having the blank page. And I like that analogy because I'm thinking about my mind being RAM versus a hard drive. And well, the thing about the act of writing something down and filing it away in a, in a place where you say, I can pull this out later, that actually is the act of taking it out of RAM and storing it in a hard drive and saying, actually, now I can go on and clear my mind. Otherwise, I've got this thing in the back of my head going, oh, yeah, don't forget that. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. So I think it's probably even good practice for my or anyone who's listening working day is to go, yeah, you've got that question. But if you write it down and know you can address it later then it's, you've kind of dealt with it. You know, not, not completely, but at least you can remove it from your mind and go, okay, now I can go back to what I was doing and come back to, to content focusing. And then I guess what I'm, I'm wondering from you is, is your recommendation that people carve out specific times where they then can come back and revisit this and say, okay, now this is the one hour every day or every week or whatever it is where I do content. And that's when you pull out the notebook and you start from there. Yeah, so there are two options with this, right? No, no, there are three. It's just one of them is is not one I consider. So one option (laughs) is you you check it in the calendar for a nice extended block of time. You know, I'd say half an hour minimum. You can do as long as you like. You know, if you've got a half day, take a half day if you think you can write for that long. If you're going to do that sort of thing, put it in the calendar. I would, you know, if it's your first time, I would make sure that it's, you know, not before something particularly stressful. It's not after something that may run over time. Really, you want to be creating content in the frame of mind that you have all the time in the world. You don't. No one ever does, but you want to feel like that. And that's hard if you're 
you know, if you're rushing between a half hour BD meeting and like reporting in to someone else, you can't in between that suddenly switch into this creative mode, not at this stage if you're new to this. So that's what I would recommend if you were doing it all in one. And and how I'd use those sessions is I would batch. I'd write as much as I could if you finish one article worth and move on to another one. Or if you're filming videos, then film one after the other. Or your alternative is you can do little spurts tied to an existing habit. So this is more on a behavioral thing. This is more of building another habit. But I often will do my stuff. When I first started out, it would be like first thing in the morning, I have a morning routine and I just tagged it on the onto the end of that routine. So it happened every single time, right? And that's the best way you can try to do it daily. So if you think about it as a task in your day, it probably won't happen because this is one of those things that's important, but not urgent. It will never be urgent. The other thing you can try is you you can hope to squeeze it in, but it just, again, it doesn't really happen like that. So I would tie it to something else um, in your day, a meal, brushing your teeth. Hopefully you do that daily. Or if you're one of those <laughs> regular gym goers, you could, you could tie it in with that and make it as easy as possible, right? So like your easy as possible is like, if you're recording a podcast, just use voice memos to begin with. You can go fancy later. If you're writing a blog, just type. Don't, don't style a blog. Don't create a new website. Don't do any of that stuff. Just write stuff. Once you have stuff to that's written, then you can worry about publishing it. And if you're doing a video, like, yeah, don't go too fancy. Like, don't worry about which platform to publish it on. Just record it. It'll be fine. And then once you're comfortable with it, you can figure out publishing. Now, the third option, which I alluded to, is not really an option. The third option is just, like, not do anything and hope that it comes up at some point. And that just... <laughs> It's like what we all do until until we're like, oh, right, content's actually important. And then, you know, we go down these like rabbit holes of how to do content, Googling content marketing as if, you know, as if it's an emergency. But yes, that's how I would build it into my life if I was starting over. And I think it's something that I do. And again, by no means am I pretending I'm great at content, but when I've got a morning routine and that involves I get up and go for a walk. It's during that walk when all of a sudden, you know, the, the noise sort of stops, you're looking at screens, inspiration strikes. I find that's when I write down most of my notes. And then I found that I was walking along trying to type with my thumbs and I went, hang on a second, I can just do voice memos. So it's almost like you've seen me out there trying to create <laughs> content. But the other thing I'd say is sometimes it's good to, it adds like a fire break for your content ideas. So not being on the device and not sort of like tweeting out that idea as you have it. When you go back and read it a couple of days later, you might go, really, Jared? Is that, is that, do you really want to publish that thought? Because it seems a little bit odd now in retrospect. So I like it as a fire break as well, because it means you can have inspiration, but rather than just like rushing an idea out that isn't completely formed, gives you a chance to maybe look back and decide if it's something you really want to push out there at all. Yeah. I feel like that's how some people use Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Thought, tweet, thought, tweet. Exactly. Anyway. So thinking about, thinking about platforms and look, it's, you know, there's no absolute answer here but how do people choose what platform should they be doing all the platforms how do they choose what's going to work for them when they're thinking about their content because you mentioned like video live and i mean i don't know anyone who doesn't find that intimidating but i also i find it equally as intimidating to write six or seven hundred words of written content because that feels like hard work as well so are there rules that you go by or that you advise other people around picking a platform or, or a medium yeah look 
honestly, when it's the beginning, when it's the beginning, just go on your comfort levels. You got to remember you're dealing with a five-year-old throwing a tantrum who doesn't want to go out and risk social rejection. Like as important as all of this stuff is, the reason it's so hard is because really we are putting ourselves out in public and we're, you know, we're hoping that people care and that they're not mean about it. And so it brings up all of these things we haven't seen since like high school, right? So in terms of choosing a platform, I usually tell people, go with what you're comfortable with, something that feels familiar, because you can always start cross-posting later. If you're not on any social platforms whatsoever, or you have a few, but you haven't been active anywhere and you're comfortable with all of them, then I would look at what's your, who's your target market? Where do they hang out mostly? So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people have different opinions on this, but Generally, younger generation Instagram, older generation Facebook. It's Twitter is mainly journalists and startup tech people. And then there are other little pockets here and there. But these aren't hard and fast rules. There is still going to be pockets of every target market on any platform. So really, it's about what do you know? What are you comfortable with? Where could you know? Where could you consistently find yourself hanging out? Because if you make it your key platform, you're going to be hanging out there a bit. Yeah, you touch on that idea there about where, yeah, we didn't touch on it, you mentioned it, the the idea of you know, where does my target market hang out? And I think that for me brings up an interesting thought, which is, okay, I think this is where my target market hangs out. What do I, how do I decide what to write for my target audience? So, okay, it's good to write for me. That's like tick box one, but box two, if you want to have some success is you need to be writing something that your target market's going to find interesting. What's the best way to go about thinking about what I need to write for that target market. So let's just say I think they're I'm targeting, you know, business owners or, you know, startup founders as well. I want to find them on LinkedIn. Okay, but what do I write? And how do I create a tone of voice and a subject matter that I can follow consistently to that audience? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I think it's important to remain authentic. People say this all the time and everyone's like, what does that mean? I mean, it has to be some facet of your real personality. It's too hard to invent another one. I'm just going to say that now. And people will see through that stuff. So from the get-go, be yourself. Now, what is yourself? This is not an easy one to define. So don't go too deep into that. But the easiest way to figure out how to talk to your target audience, if you're LinkedIn and Facebook, this is possible. This is It's probably good to check out those platforms regardless. But if you can find groups, where those people hang out, right? What you'll find if you read through all of the discussion threads that are happening, you'll see topics recurring over and over again that people are asking questions about. Now, they would be asking in a Facebook group, mostly because they haven't been able to figure out the answer on their own. Everyone we know has access to Google. So those are the sorts of like, that's those are some places you can get some inspiration for what to talk about. The other thing is to remember that you're trying to help them do what they do best, right? It's not really about you. And I think that can take a lot of fear about it out of the equation because if it's about them and you know you have a skill and you know you can actually do it better than them, then what you're doing is very, very generous to be able to share your expertise in some way. So the sort of content you can create, I mean, Can you think of maybe like a handful of topics that you would love to nerd out about that you could talk about for ages that you could just, you know, keep writing about and not get bored over and also, you know, that you know quite well? 
those are the sorts of topics I would start with, right? And then you can break down those topics into subtopics and break those down further into parts. And what you'll find is if you do this over a calendar, you might have 12 topics, that's 12 months, uh, four subtopics, that's four weeks, and maybe like three parts to that subtopic. And that'll be like three pieces per week for a whole year. And this is possible for most people. It's just that when we start thinking about, oh my gosh, I need to create stuff to publish, we don't think, what am I interested in? What am I really good at? And what am I solving for them? Yeah, I think it's, when you break it down like that, it actually sounds relatively simple. That's the power of multiplication, right? It's like <laughs> 12 by four by three. And you're like, oh, it sounds, whereas if you look at that and I kind of do the you know, 96 or 100 pieces of content, whatever number you just came up with, then you just think, yeah, if I'm confronted with 96, I'm like, that's too hard. But then you just go, actually, it probably is 12 topics and I can break that down. And I guess the other part of it is it forces you to stop trying to do too much on one piece of content. So rather than, you know, it's a bit like a podcast like this, there's that desire. I've got other questions I want to ask you. I'm like, oh, do we go there? That's a whole other topic. That's almost (laughs) another show. And you realize, let's just stay in the lane, deliver one message once, and you're probably in the best place. So I think it's sound advice. It's something that I think I definitely need to apply to what I'm doing. But more importantly, I think it breaks it down into bite-sized chunks where you go, actually, I can probably do that. Yeah. And if you if you use a platform with short-form content as well, if you're using Twitter or you're just doing status updates on LinkedIn or Facebook, it's actually not that much content to write, really. No, it's not much. And like it also avoids, and because I'm from, you know, blog world, it also avoids what I see a lot of people will do is they will do an insanely good first article, right? It'll be a 20-minute read. It'll be fully comprehensive. But then they've like they've taken what I would consider three months worth of content and put it into one post that only, you know, gets one post's worth of attention. So yeah, like length is not as important as it used to be. In some places it is. We can talk about that later. But I guess what I'm saying is like spread out your information. It doesn't your first one, your content isn't measured by how long it is. It's measured by how important it is to the people it gets in front of and how interesting they find it. So that I've read 200 word posts that have changed my life, right? So you don't need to write a 20,000 word monster to get someone's attention. Let's say, for example, though, that I have written a 20,000 word monster. (laughs) Like that's what I've done, you know, and I've, I've sat down, I've poured my heart into something okay, what do I do now? Like, okay, yeah, I've used it. I put it up there. It got a bit of traction, but probably didn't get as much love as 20,000 words deserves. Is there a strategy to fix that or make better use of those 20,000 words? Okay. So yes, I would just pull that post down (laughs) and then I would trickle (laughs) it out in 1000 word or even 500 word sections. That might not be entirely possible. We don't write, we don't write like that, but if we can divide it into sections, then release it bit by bit. You'll be able to find out what parts are the most important to people. It'll force you to think about structure as well. And I think that's very important when you're writing long form is how you do structure. I don't think that it's common that people have learned how to do this properly. The other thing you can do, like once you've tested all of that content, once it's gone out in little bits and bobs, you'll be able to improve on the writing, stitch it all back together PDF that thing and you got yourself a beautiful lead magnet. You know what I mean? Like that's what we do. I would suggest if you're going to do long form stuff, you can have bits of it in short form and you can have the long form all together in one, but make make something out of that. 
Okay, so so you've said lead magnet, so I think it's worthwhile. Let's let's define a little bit about what that might be. So I'm going to recap where we're at. So you've written a long form article because you're super passionate about a particular topic, but you've actually covered lots of subtopics. We pull that down, or we, we take it away from being like a public post. We cut it up, we extract out the elements, we reformat it a little bit. So all of a sudden, now I've got maybe a hundred different posts that I can kind of pull or, or quotes of myself that I can then use across social media. That's great. And now you're saying turn that long form back into a single piece as a lead magnet so so what does that what does a lead magnet look like what's the purpose of a lead magnet and and why do i want to do one okay so this is why we do content right like i'm going to bring it back to content is we talked about getting comfortable doing it and doing it for other people but the real purpose of creating content is to find a way to serve our audience but also to attract leads like that that was the usually most companies start creating content because they want more business. Otherwise you're you're just an entertainment brand, right? Okay, so now if we want to turn someone from a reader into a lead, we can offer something of significant value. In return, we can ask for their email address. And this is quite common. I'm sure you've done it. I'm sure everyone's done it at one point or another. And these things of significant value can be a 20,000 word article on something. I can't come up with anything at the moment, but but maybe it's like, you know, the comprehensive guide to getting set up as a freelance copywriter, right? When I was starting out as a freelancer, I would have given over my email address in return for that. So what that means is you've delivered something of value in this PDF. You've got their email address now and you now have their attention anytime you want in theory to be able to send them an email, to get to know them a bit better. You get to build trust, build familiarity. And let's say further down the track, I'm in a position to buy their premium service, which I'm really not sure what it is because I just invented this hypothetical brand. (laughs) And then I've had this whole dialogue with them because I've read their 20,000 word comprehensive guide. I've seen emails from them. They're a regular face in my inbox and they're going to help me and around something that I need and I can afford it. Like these are all the things that we hope line up for people. But that's that's basically how a lead magnet would work. That's great. And yes, I have built lead magnets. And, you know, I've done that same thing where it's a, it's a value exchange. I'll give you this, you give me your email address and we'll be friends forever. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's fundamental to content marketing, but I think we've taken a different view, which is, you know, this is where you basically have created the asset that can become your lead magnet. We're just going to use it a bit more efficiently. So what I'm keen to do now, Rosie, is if you can like get out your crystal ball and gaze into the future for the next couple of years and kind of go, well, how do you see content creation on a massive scale? How do you see that changing over the next couple of years when it comes to sort of online self-publishing? Oh my gosh, that is such a big question. Okay, so <laughs> so one thing I've noticed for myself, and I think it's true of a lot of people, and I don't know what it might mean, but we follow people more than we follow brands now, right? So it used to be we followed brands, we trusted X brand, we trusted you know, when I was growing up, we trusted that Toyotas didn't break down and we weren't quite sure about Samsung because they were new to electronics at the time and that kind of thing. So it was always about the brand. Whereas now we trust individuals, we trust humans, people who endorse brands or people who are their own brands. And it's changing the dynamic, I think. So affiliate marketing is so much bigger than it used to be for a reason, because There is more trust built around an individual and what they've created and what they put out into the world than there is around a specific brand. What does that mean? I think it means that 
Firstly, if you're an individual and you have a voice and you know how to talk and you know how to write, get out there and do it. I think it's really important for people to be doing that because otherwise, you know, you're the- I guess so your personal brand, isn't it? I mean, it's basically that's what you've got. You've got company brands, but now everyone is their own personal brand. Even if they don't want to become an influencer, you know, they don't necessarily want to like be an Instagram star and charge lots of money. But we now got to, I think for me, every single person is their own brand, whether they want to or not. And the people that are likely to succeed are the people that are willing to put their thoughts out there and put themselves out there and create their own personal brand. So is that, that's the thing now. We're basically all self-publishing machines and our own human brands. Yeah, no, that's totally it. And thank you. You found the words I couldn't find. No, so yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. And even people who have full-time jobs, companies that they love, right? There are still individuals who shine as an employee and that's great for the brands they work at, but that's also great for them. These people, you know, some people still get pulled for speaking gigs and things like that. And also you might not be at the same company for your whole life, right? So all of the tricks we used to play with resumes, I mean, those are things we have to play now in the context of, you know, the bigger picture. We're all, the world is moving towards it being about the individual. The world is moving towards the fact that we are going to change careers a heap. We're going to change jobs a heap. And can you keep a consistent, interesting message? Can you be a person who has an idea of where they're going and some story to tell, regardless of where you are? And I think that this is what I see really being the influence on like how content creation changes online. Because I think a lot of writers have hidden behind brands in the past. And I think a lot of brands have just been their entire public presence might not end up coherent because it's got 27 different writers in it. And I think that's changing. So I don't, I don't know. What do you reckon? I think, I think you've happened across what I think is a global trend. Like we've gone way beyond content here, but we're talking here about a generation, generational changes, right? So my parents maybe changed job once in their life and okay, I'm a little bit different. I'm going to change jobs like 10, 20 times in my life. I think I've done 10 already and I'm only 40. But, you know, more and more generations are going to come through and you're going to change jobs all the time. And not even just gig economy, we're talking about people who will just become contractors and freelancers, and that's just going to be their job. They're going to have multiple bosses. And I think the people who might find themselves a little bit left out of the loop here is if you go into the bog standard world where you go, I've got a degree, I'm an accountant, I'm going to work at a firm, you do a great job, but your sphere of influence might be five or six people. That's career limiting. If you're, but if you're an accountant working exactly the same place, but you're tweeting and blogging and posting and recording all the time, yes, the company gets a gain, but you're building up your brand of you. And that brand of you is the thing that you're going to carry through your entire career. And I'm just seeing more and more that, you know, people aren't finding jobs on Seek as much. You know, if you throw your resume into, you know, a public institution, you're in there with thousands of other people. The best jobs, the fun jobs, the jobs you want to do, those jobs will find you because they will find your content. They will find your brand. And so, you know, I find myself as a dad looking at my kids and going, how do I equip my kids with the best opportunity? And I do start to think about it. And, you know, on one hand, I'm looking at, you know, this, the constant obsession with young teens, preteens posting online, but actually what they're doing is working on their own individual brands, because that's going to be the thing that carries them through. And I've got to shake off my kind of, you know, generational bias and go, actually, the smartest thing my kids can do is learn to learn and learn to brand themselves. If they can get those two things right, then they're equipped for a faster changing society. So that's that's almost like parenting advice. But I think that's where we were going with this chat. And you go, okay, this is what it is. And this is why everyone is now an individual self-publishing content machine, because they're their own brand. And your own brand is what's going to get you your next job, your next interview. And you're going to cut through all the other noise. And you're not just going to be 
a CV and you're not only going to be known to your, you know, three colleagues, two subordinates and one boss, you're going to be known to the greater populace. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a whole, I think what we've done is we've created this career advice point. So if you, <laughs> okay, if you're a founder of a startup, yep, yeah, sure, you already get all this, you're all in and, and, you know, first half of the podcast, like get in there, do it and follow that. If you're a wannabe founder, if you're a wannabe startup or you want to do something different and you're listening to this and you're in a salaried job, great. Focus on your career, like focus on your topic of interest. Start publishing for yourself for the betterment of the the company, the firm, wherever you're working, they will gain from it. But start working on your personal brand through your own professional thought bombs. And, you know, you're more likely to get picked up and headhunted by a competing firm or maybe even break out on your own because you find you're your own business development machine because people are coming to you for accounting services and advice. Yeah. So I think we've basically gone from how not to write content right through to how to set yourself up for a brilliant <laughs> career for the rest of your life. So, you know, no small thing here, Rosie. We've just solved the, you know, the world's employment crisis for the Sorted. next couple of decades. <laughs> Look, thank you so much. That took a completely different turn and, I've, and now I've got this thought process and I need to stop. <laughs> I need to write down my notes because I'm going to have to write a LinkedIn post about being your own content machine for your future self or advice to my kids in the future or something. So you've done exactly what we aim to do, which was get creative juices flowing. So look out everyone for that post for me. It's going to be a cracker. But more importantly, if people want to find more words of wisdom from you, where's the best place to find you digitally online? Yeah, so I am Rosie Odsey, basically everywhere. So it's R-O-S-I-E-O-D-S-E-Y, including the .com. So if you can't find me anywhere else, just head to the .com and you'll find me there. I love that. That's like proper. I mean, I've got jareddoyle.com. I don't put anything on it. Yeah. But it's that vanity thing, right? It's like if you like cars, you get a personalized number plate. But if you're working in tech and online, you've got to have your own domain name. It's just essential. That's it. That's it. Great. Well, look, Rosie, thank you so much for sharing your time with me and for everybody else. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm, I guarantee you there's at least one person who will listen to this at one soon and we've probably reshaped the, the trajectory of their career. So thank you so much for your time and all your words of wisdom. Super welcome. And if anyone does write their first thing or create their first thing because of this podcast, definitely link it up. Yeah. And you can count on both of us to give it a little bit of social boost if you, if you tag us in it. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that'll really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.